This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. New Bedford Light continues to cover significant stories in and around the city of New Bedford. Columnist Jack Spillane writes for the Light and visits Town Square Sunday every few weeks to give us an update on what's going on. Good to talk with you, Jack, and thanks for coming in. Good to be here again, Jim. When the N-Star building comes down, does that really mean that offshore wind is here for sure? What do you think? Oh, oh boy, that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, you're not even giving me any work it up to it. Uh, uh, I think so. But, you know, as we've seen with all the ins and outs of offshore wind over the years, there's always something, it seems, that's holding it up, whether it's federal regulations or changes to the economic climate. There are just so many variables in this. Um, I think what this does show is that Foss, Foss Marine, which is a West Coast outfit, thought that it was likely enough to invest you know, millions of dollars in this port of New Bedford, this property, very valuable property. Um, taking down that um, former Cannon Street power plant is not cheap. And um, uh, so I, I, I think it, it does, but I, I would not guarantee it. Yeah. Do we, uh, what, were the, what were the reasons behind the holdup? It was supposed to happen earlier this week, and it didn't happen. Well, well, this is an interesting story that the New Bedford Light has been working on. Um, evidently, the man that was supposed to um, uh, blow it up was a Rhode Island company, which is also called Saunders, no relation to Andrew Saunders of um, the group that controls that property. And um, he arrived with no explosives and an announcement that he was unable to get insurance. Uh, we have tried to find out why he couldn't um, get insurance. We haven't quite gotten to the bottom of that yet. But because he could not get insurance, they have now decided that they will demolish it rather than blow it up. And when I say blow it up, they were going to blow up the smokestack and the rest of the building would then come down. So um, I think that they have probably decided not to fool around with with that um, explosive demolition anymore because they are on a timetable. They have to have this constructed so that it can be used when Mayflower Wind begins to want to use it. And um, so uh, I, I... the offshore wind companies are the first of them, I think, is Mayflower coming up. Um, and they have, they have both the south terminal and this spot. But So they're going to have to proceed and demolish it without explosives, and we'll see how quickly they can do that. The NSTAR site uh, is going to play an important role in the development of offshore wind, won't it? It, it will, um, and it will also change the, um, the view of downtown New Bedford, the waterfront, <laughs> that, that big building right outside the downtown has been there for many, many decades. And um, uh, so now you're going to have turbine parts. Most of it will be a flat area. There'll be a small load-on, load-off facility for boats, fishing boats, I believe. But most of it is going to be um, a flat area where these massive turbine parts are stored. And so that's what you'll, you will see. And um, they'll be coming, going back and forth to um, uh, the places off of Martha's Vineyard where they're building the turbines. They'll also be going back and forth from the south terminal, a little further south. It's a massive project. They say there's there's room for both. That's why they're they're creating both facilities. But um, mm-hmm. uh, this is changing um, uh, the future of energy, uh, uh, the economy of New Bedford. It's a, it's big changes. A one-time casino, one-time oceanarium, now soon to be the victim of a wreckers ball. Yeah, you know what's interesting? It's it's one of the few areas on that 
waterfront that has not been devoted, particularly south of the Fairhaven Bridge, one of the few areas that really, in, in many, many decades, has not been devoted to fishing. So yep. it, is, it is not anything that has been taken away from fishing. And in fact, they're going to add a little bit by having that one little place where you can buy the fish right off the boat. At least that was the original plan. And um, so, you know, it is going to, in a way, it's going to remain in, in energy use. So we're also looking, Jack, at the race in Ward 3, the city council race in Ward 3, as we all know. Uh, Hugh Dunn has uh, vacated the seat to accept a new job out of town. Um, Several people have announced they're running. In fact, more than several. I think there's six or seven of them now. Uh, One gentleman, however, recently moved to the city so he can run. That is uh, Jacob Ventura. Um, uh, You did some work on this, or New Bedford Light did some work on this. Um, Tell us about Mr. Ventura. So, Mr. Ventura uh, comes from a family that has long roots in the city. Uh, he, he lived here till he was seven and a half, um, and then just over the line in Dartmouth, where his parents, he said, moved for the school system. Uh, he is um, a descendant of, uh, of the first um, Cape Verdean whaling boat captain and um, a um, descendant of Sergeant Carney, and um, he wants to run. Um, he has... Uh, said he had moved into the Wamsetta Mills to be roommate with a, another gentleman as of mid-September looking for his own apartment in that complex. Um, there have been some rumblings um, among some of the other candidates, and I think across the city in general, from what I heard and I did hear, that um, he might be a little bit of a carpetbagger. Um, the carpetbagging issue was also raised in 2017 when he took out papers to run for state senate seat in Attleboro after not living there very long. But... Um, Certainly, he has more connections to New Bedford than, than Attleboro. Um, anyway, he, he had said originally he had not fully decided whether he would run. I'm, I'm not sure where he is at now. Um, you know, the residency is just one factor that people take into consideration. Um, so we'll have to see where that goes. There are, are many. What I'm hearing from the, um, uh, the six other candidates, and I think it's only fair that we name them because uh, Jacob's had a lot of publicity, so hopefully I won't forget any. There is um, uh, Sean Oliver. There is Kathy Dana, former War Three counselor. There is um, Bob Bromley. There is Carmen Amaral. There is John F. Robinson, and there is Bob Cabral. Is that six? I hope I, yeah, I haven't forgotten any. Six. Yeah. If I if I have, I apologize to whoever I, I've forgotten. It's not because I don't think you're important. <laughs> so, um, do you believe Ventura uh, currently lives in Ward Three? Do I believe? I don't. I don't think it really matters what what what. Yeah, what, what it's, I, it's really what, what the election. What I believe, believe. you know, I, I I think in my column I expressed, um, uh, you know, things that that I was hearing around town. I asked Mister Ventura questions about them. You know, uh, I I, sh- I think you, the point should be made that your residency is where you say it is, as long as you have some legal evidence that it is. And he has produced a. Um, uh, a statement from the property manager at Wampsada Mills saying that he lives there. Um, you know, I, I give the example of you may have a house in Florida where you only stay three months in the winter and you may live nine months of the year in New Bedford, but you declare Florida your uh, legal residence for tax reasons or whatever, and Florida is your residence. It's your res- your, you know, it's not actually living there in, in your residence. It gives you the right to run are, are two different things. Um, I think we all remember... Um, well, I don't know if we all remember, but Maria Tomasi, a former city um, election commission chair, had a 
case where a person um, said he was living in a garage, and um, yes. uh, Maria Tomasi uh, was skeptical that he actually lived there. Um, uh, there was some speculation that he lived in a rooming house downtown. He produced documents that said he lived there, and Maria then told me she had to retract that because your residence is where you say it is. Um, it could be a park bench. You could be homeless and have the yep. right to vote. So first time uh, I heard that the first time I heard that statement was the late George Rogers, who sat at a council meeting. Uh, it was a squabble over residency, rule, residency rules. I think it just might be the case that you mentioned of the uh, candidate living in a, in, in a garage. That's right. Uh, and Rogers said uh, a candidate lives where he says he lives. Period. And and and, and that was the ruling. Um, yeah. So I, I think that there are some people in Ward Three certainly some of the other candidates who feel strongly that that ward has been neglected a little bit for constituent services and that they think that they really need someone with long roots in the ward who really knows what the issues are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's interesting. People said that former Councilor Hugh Dunn did not do well on constituent services, but when he was uh, under the glare of publicity for his accident um, facing charges, uh, uh, no one came out to run against him, and he... You know, was easily reelected. Now we have seven candidates. We had eight; one dropped out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm surprised by the size of the field, frankly. Yeah, and and not only seven candidates, but I would say all of them are are, are good, intelligent, responsible people who could do the job. So, uh, you know, we're going to see how, how they what, what they what, what they weigh as the more important factors and what they don't weigh. But you know, the New Bedford Light is there to report on what people are, what are on people's minds, and that's what we've done. You're listening to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guest is Jack Spillane, columnist for New Bedford Light. Well, the Ernestina back in New Bedford, Jack, after years of rehabilitation. The question now is uh, what happens next with the schooner? Uh, will this schooner be used to educate, enlighten, entertain people who visit it? Um, that's, that's really my concern. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's back here, it belongs here. But what comes next? Well, I, I have to confess that I am not 100% up to speed on the Ernestino. I, I, I plan on doing a story myself, but my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Ernestina's home now is going to be at Mass Maritime Academy um, in um, Buzzards Bay, and that they will use the ship, uh, which is a tall ship, to teach the cadets about sailing on tall ships, and it'll get great care there, and then it will come to New Bedford every summer for a time, and it will have a... Um, uh, a time for the people in the Cape Verdean community and other communities, uh, the whaling community descendants, to um, uh, uh, appreciate and have programs on the Ernestina. Um, mm. But I, I think there has been some uh, concern in the Cape Verdean community that that um, it was put to mass, ma- mass maritime, but in reality, the ship was deteriorating, and they had to come up with a plan that would create a revenue stream for its upkeep, and this is the, the, the plan that they've come up with. That's how I understand it, and, yeah. and I, I, again, I have not written if that's those what's going to happen, something. that's a pretty good plan, actually. Yeah, yeah, so that's that my understanding, but I, I, as I said, I have not written about this yet, and I, I, I'm not sure how much the light has done a, a deep dive, but we will be. All right. Um, you recently had a chat, uh, Jack, with uh, Lee Blake of the New Bedford Historical Society and Professor Timothy Dale Walker, uh, who we talked with in our program recently. 
well, maybe not so recently, but earlier this year, about New Bedford's role in the Underground Railroad. I bet you learned something in that talk. Boy. Because I learned something when I talked to uh, Walker. Yeah. Boy, what a, what a, uh, a great job both uh, Professor Walker and um, Lee Blake have done on the abolition history of New Bedford, which has always been there, but just has not been spotlighted the way that the whaling history has been spotlighted. Frederick Douglass, arguably the most important uh, black abolitionist of the 19th century, spent his formative years here. Now they're going to have Abolition Row Park dedicated to him on the corner of uh, 7th Street and School Street, is it? Spring Street? Um, uh, just a, a block from 7th the... 7th and School? Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I know it's on 7th Street. Let's put it that yep. way. And um, so they're going to have Abolition Row Park with the Frederick uh, Douglass statue there. And Dr. Walker talked to us about um, uh, the fact that many of the people who escaped uh, their enslaved conditions in the South came here by boat, uh, not just to New Bedford, but to the North in general. Um, Almost the best documentation for people who did escape from slavery um, is the ones who came by boat, because many of these enslaved people were working on the docks in the southern ports of Charleston and Savannah and the other ports, and that was the way they they, they, they knew um, the waterfront. They knew how the ships came and went, and that's where they hid. Of course, other ones went went overground with Harriet Tugman, but I think it hasn't been as well known. Um, and there was a great uh, exhibit that uh, 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 Timothy Walker and, and Lee did called Sailing to Freedom uh, at the Whaling Museum this past uh, fall, which was wonderful. It's now going to be shown uh, in other parts of the country and also be um, online for people to enjoy forever. And I, I just think that there is a, an increasing awareness of the role of New Bedford and the Underground Railroad and how it is such an important part of our history and also um, maybe an important part of our tourism industry in the future. Um, any future chats planned uh, we should know about, Jack? Future the chats? Works? Yeah, I'm trying to think... Uh, I, I am hoping to do one in the Ward 3 race, and um, uh, I think we will have one in the um, in January that I'm not quite prepared to um, divulge, but I, I would like to talk about the Christmas lights in the downtown a little bit, if you have time. Well, that was my next question, Jack. <laughs> we saved the big ones for last. Okay. Um, what is this about the squirrels ruining Christmas lights at Custom House Square? eating up the Christmas uh, wiring, and now they're not going to put the lights in Custom House Square. You're putting an awful lot of this on the squirrels. I think squirrels of the world should unite on this. <laughs> you go ahead. Well, you know, the, the, the funny part about it is that I love squirrels. I, I, I am not one of these people who thinks that they are tree rodents. Um, uh, I, I guess they are particularly um, a member of the rodent family, but they are a completely different species than that other species called rats. And um, uh, I... I, I think they're harmless and mischievous and um but if you are a guy like um uh, the, uh justin chica the assistant uh, commissioner of public infrastructure in new bedford it was they were driving him crazy and his crew's crazy because every year they would put these wonderful lights out in this downtown park the principal downtown park that there is and they they would have to replace the lights two three four times it was costing thousands and thousands of dollars but unfortunately, they made a decision that I didn't like was not to do the lights at all. And to that, I said, bah humbug, because I think, okay, you can't go on forever replacing the lights, but you could put them up at least once and try to take whatever 
chemicals or, or noise things that you can, and they've tried all that to, to prevent the critters from chewing away. But uh, they made a decision. I guess it was an executive decision not to do the lights this year, and and I was disappointed at, 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 as. As many know, I'm a downtown resident, but I don't think just downtown residents. It was just a, a very cheery display in, in uh, you know, to see those lights on those trees lit up every year, and I was sad mm-hmm. to see them go. Well, um, all right, I share your opinion. I'm sad to see it go, too. But. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody does. A lot of the times I, I feel like I'm out there by myself on some of my opinions, but um, <laughs> I'm paid to give the, my opinion, and that's what I do. Gee, Jack, why would you think that? <laughs> Okay, my thanks to Jack Spillane for stopping by. You can read Jack's columns and lots more um, interesting stories for sure about New Bedford and surrounding communities at newbedfordlight.org. Happy holidays, Jack. Happy holidays, Jim. Stay with us. Town Square Sunday continues in just a moment.